We are in our final stages of our generosity uh, campaign that we've been talking about, teaching about, uh, been doing the uh, devotionals, um, encouraging all to do the devotionals every week as we've been going along. And uh, now we're kind of wrapping it all up and getting ready for our special uh, campus-wide gathering at the KI Center next Sunday. We're all going to be gathering over there, so uh, we're excited about that. We want to take just kind of a little summary this morning about some of the things that we've been talking about over the last month on this idea of generosity. Reading in Matthew, the sixth chapter, this is Jesus speaking to the people when he did his Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now when Jesus came on the scene and started teaching people, what the things he was saying were by and large extremely radical. The one thing they said about Jesus over and over again is he talks like no one we have ever heard before. He's saying stuff that we've never heard before. He's presenting things in a way, and we are seeing God in a way we've never seen before. And in one of the ways that Jesus did this was certainly when it came to this area of giving, because what he just said to them here is totally radical. When he comes and says, hey, don't worry about your life. Now, you have to understand, for thousands and thousands of years, that's all people have done, is worry about their lives. Am I going to have enough money for this? Am I going to have enough money for that? i got to save up for this. i got to hope we can make it to this. And everybody's just working day and night, trying to make sure that they have enough to get by on. Still to this day. And certainly, it was that way 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus comes along, he says, hey, stop it. Quit Worrying about everything. Don't spend all of your energies focusing on just making it day by day. He said, enlarge your vision. Seek first God's kingdom. And all these things that you worry about will be taken care of for you. This was a radical concept. Quit worrying. The King James Version says, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. That's what a lot of people, that's all they do is think about their lives. About this. How am I going to have that? How am I going to get this? They're all going crazy. Jesus comes along and says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't worry about all that stuff. God will take care of you if you'll take your eyes off of that and look at the bigger picture. Seek first his kingdom. Jesus continued to teach them. He says, give and it will be given to you why does he have to add that other part of it because it's against our nature to give nobody wants to give who wants to give we like to get you know woohoo sign me up for that you know jesus actually said listen you're actually more blessed if you give than if you receive what a radical concept better to give than to receive how many people even think like that today most people think the best thing you can do is get my ship has come in hallelujah Something I wasn't expecting. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me that thing. Give me that. Give me, give me. Write a song. Some of you geezers out there. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Boy, if I can just get it, it's great. No, Jesus said, look, you've got this backwards. 
If you will give, it's actually better than to receive. And he says, and if you give, you will receive. Really? How much? He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. How many would like that? The rest of you want to be broke? Okay, good for you. Man, I, I, I want this. I want this version of life. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap if you grasp this concept of giving and of being generous. So I don't know. I've, I've never experienced anything like that. Well, maybe because you're not all that generous. I gave a dollar once to United Way. Well, maybe it takes a little more than that. As I mentioned last week, think about it. If you were God, if you were God, and you were going to bless people, and he controls the riches of heaven, and he's going to bless people, who would you bless? The person who keeps it all for himself, and just for his little world, or to the person who, upon receiving these blessings, blesses others? Come on, it's a pretty easy call. Of course, you're going to bless those people who are the most generous. Jesus goes on to say, he says, for, the, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What kind of blessing, what kind of measuring stick are you using for God to bless your life? If you're a teaspoon kind of person, all right, how do you think God's going to bless you with a teaspoon? All right? Seriously, we need to start thinking bucket blessings around here. You know what I'm talking about? I want big old yo mama, spill it out, Jesus. Are you all here this morning? Talk to people on TV. How you campuses doing down there? Woo, y'all awake? Because they all died on me in here. Give and it will be given to you. We talked about having the heart of David. Now, I love this, King David was the kind of guy who refused to be involved in something that didn't cost him something. We read this story. Uh, I love the story of, of, uh, of David and his, his mighty men. They were talking about the mighty men. David had this small army of just butt-kicking machines. I mean, these guys, nobody could beat them. He had this small group of people no one could ever defeat. He was, they were, he was an amazing fighter. And these guys with him were like, we're just off the charts. And the Bible talks about some of these incredible feats that they did. And then it talks about this story. It says, during harvest time, uh, three of the 30 chief men came down to David. Talking about these 30 guys who are really, really incredible fighters. Uh, came down to David at the uh, cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. Well, at that time, David was in the stronghold and he's hanging out. And they're, you know, stand off in this battle. And the Philistine garrison was... Uh, in, in Bethlehem and occupying uh, his hometown. And David longed for water and he just said out loud to himself, Oh man, wouldn't it be great if someone could get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem? Man, wouldn't that be great? Well, there's these three guys who are like these ultra committed, disciplined men who overheard David say this. And then it says, so the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines. They drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. 
Now, wow, I mean, that's an incredible feat. I mean, these guys, you know, had to fight through the Philistine lines, go get a bucket of water, and then carry the bucket back and fight their way back just to bring the man a drink of water from that well because he said, man, I wish I could get a drink from that well. So they bring it back to David, but it says he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. He said, far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. We read a little bit after this where David had the opportunity. He wanted to build an altar to God and and offer sacrifices and worship to God. And you have to remember this whole idea of sacrifice. The sacrifice was the financial cost that these guys gave up. You remember when, when they came and they, they would offer up, uh, you know, like a, a bull or something like that and, and an offering to God. You weren't, they didn't take the sickest bull they had or the, the weakest animal. They were commanded to take the very best. Now, when you're trying to build a big herd, you don't take your very best and chop it up and burn it up for nothing. All right. But that's exactly what they did. They routinely would take their very best and offer it up to God. And God so blessed the rest. They kept growing and growing. These men, Abraham and, and these kings and stuff of Israel, were unbelievably wealthy. While everybody else would just try to keep, you know, the very best, you know, for themselves. And, but they couldn't keep up with these guys who would offer up the very best to God. They were prospered like it was just incredible. But anyway, he came in and, and he was going to offer up this thing. And this guy says, oh, great. Well, I got a bunch of, you know incredible steers and stuff like that. Here, I'll just give them to you and then you can offer them up to God. You know, a lot of us would have went, praise God. This is cool. I get to offer this up. This is awesome. They've just given it to me. And I, but David refused. He said, I'm not going to take that from you. He says, I would never dream of offering something to God that which cost me nothing. And I thought, oh, dear Lord. Wouldn't it be great if we all had that kind of heart inside of us? And I encourage you, all of us, you have to understand what you're enjoying right now is the result because of what someone else gave and sacrificed. The TV screens that you're looking at, the sound equipment, the band, the chairs that you're sitting, the toys that your kids are playing with right now as as they're sharing with them Bible stories and keeping them entertained and teaching them while you're able to sit in here and worship. All that stuff exists because of the sacrifice of someone else. You're sitting in someone's big screen TV this morning. You're sitting in someone's vacation that they could have taken, but they didn't take. Why? Because they gave that money into the kingdom of God. You're looking at someone's delayed retirement. Why? Because they decided to work a few more years so they could give into the kingdom of God. All of this stuff exists. Your very sitting exists this morning because of the sacrifice and the giving of people. Let us have the kind of heart that says, I will not offer something to God that doesn't cost me something. I'm not just going to enjoy the blessings of all this. In other words, what we're trying to teach is don't have a sense of entitlement when you come into the kingdom of God. Now, there's two types of people I've experienced in my life who seem to have an exaggerated sense of entitlement. One is very wealthy people. I've had the opportunity 
to travel and spend time with some incredibly wealthy uh, people in my life uh, and some of them, uh, some of the top political leaders of the country over the last, you know, 15, 20 years and some big sports, uh, you know, athletes and stuff who've been very successful. And as I've traveled with these people and gone around with them, it's truly amazing to me that they don't have to pay for anything. I mean, the minute these star-studded individuals walk in, you can be at a restaurant, it can be at a hotel, it can be, people instantly give them everything. It's fascinating to watch. You know, clearly, they don't need anybody to give them anything, but they give it to them as soon as they say, oh, it's you all here, it's on the house. Or, oh, we're happy to have you stay here, don't worry about it, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the tab, you know, so Mr. So-and-so, so impressed to have you here, you know. And, and they actually start getting the sense of entitlement that wherever they go, they shouldn't have to give or pay for anything. Then you've got people who don't have much of anything. They, too, get a sense of entitlement. I should be able to enjoy all this. I got the church should be there for me. I should be able to be blessed. I should be able to be encouraged. La, 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 la. Just look, look, look what I can get, what I can get. And think, well, I don't have to do anything either. Look, it doesn't matter if you are incredibly wealthy or successful in life. It doesn't matter if you are extremely poor in life. It's for everybody. We should all be contributing based on our ability. Let's not have a sense of entitlement that I get to sit and just enjoy God's kingdom when I don't contribute in any way, shape, or form. Let's have a heart like David had. Then we talked about how much should we be giving? Well, the biblical example from the beginning of the very uh, beginning of the Bible in Genesis was this idea of a tenth, ten percent. It's called the tithe. It is a concept that existed long before the law of Moses. It was one of the very first acts of worship recorded in the Bible. And it's so long and established that many other religions actually even have this as well. Because this was something that was established way back in the beginning of human history. And we talked about this and we read in Malachi in the Old Testament where God is talking to the people. The people were complaining, said, where's God? Where's God? Where's God's blessing? Where'd you go, God? Everything stinks in my life. Nothing is working. Everything is going badly. Where are you? And God speaks to the prophet and he says this. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? What do we do? What are you talking about? I didn't take anything from you. What are you talking about? And then he answers, in tithes and offerings. See, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Because you refuse to bring that gift into the kingdom of God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he says. That there may be food in my house. And then God says something that he says very rarely in the Bible. If there's anything you're not supposed to do, you're not supposed to test God. You're not supposed to tempt God. You're not supposed to jump off a building and say, God will take care of me, watch. You know, you'll just get squished like a bug. All right? You don't live in ways that are outrageous and, and irresponsible and doing all the wrong things. And, well, Jesus will fix it later. All right? That's tempting God. That's testing God. You're not supposed to do that. But in this area, God says, test me in this. Bring it on. Come on. Check it out. See what happens. I mean, if nothing happens, at least you can say, well, I tested God and nothing happened. 
And I threw this out to you last week. I said, stop and think about it, people. People who do this tend to do it for an entire lifetime. Now, people aren't complete morons. You know, we're not all the smartest people in the world, but people aren't blatantly stupid. If giving 10% of your income would make your life in the toilet, why would anybody keep doing that? Amazingly, the people who do it tend to do it for life. Why? Because they've tested God. They have learned that when they lived at 100% all for themselves and then decided we're going to put 10% to God and we're going to live on the 90, that their life is actually better at the 90% than it was at the 100%. Surely that has been true in my life and I know in many, many, many of your lives. The stories, the testimonials, we would not have time to share this morning of people who would stand up and say, I did that, and that's why we always do it, because our life has been so much better. We have more money than we ever had before. Things go better for us than it ever did before. We have more favor and success in our lives ever before. That's why they do this for a lifetime, because God's blessings. Again, if you're God, who are you going to give money to? And this is what we're talking about in the scripture. He says, test me, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. How many of you would like to be so blessed you just couldn't handle it at all? Yes, we feel sorry for the rest of you. But uh, that's okay, God give it to us. (laughs) So much man alive. This is pretty awesome stuff. Then we talked about the times in the Bible where they would take special offerings where there would be some special designation for a purpose for a cause for some reason where they would do something special and we read about this last week where Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said hey we're taking up this offering to help out this other church or advance the kingdom in this way and and then he started playing with their heads you know he says you know the Macedonians I told them how much how much you're going to give. You don't want to be embarrassed when they show up. You know, so he's kind of egging each other on. It would be like if I'm saying, you know, hey, the people in Stevens Point are going to give a lot more than you guys. You don't want that, do you? That would be embarrassing. You know, that kind of thing. He'd start egging them on. And, uh, and I love the way he said, I, I know I don't have to worry about you giving, but just in case I'm sending a bunch of guys to make sure you give. So that's what we read last week. It was pretty funny stuff. And then he says this. He goes on. He says, now remember this. Talking about this special offering. He says, whoever sows sparingly, will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Oh, I got to give. Oh, we got to. No, you don't have to do anything. Don't think in those terms. Think. Here's a great opportunity for me to test God, to do something special, to see God bless our lives. Because it says God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Everybody say all. Wouldn't that be great? That in all things, at all times, you have all that you need. God is able to do this for you. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. This is the heart of God. God loves to give. God loves to prosper people. But it says, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, let's make no mistake, we are backwards in our thinking today. I can't even begin to imagine how many people in 
the state of Wisconsin, just this last week, prayed the prayer, oh God, let me win the lottery. I'll bet you it was tons and tons of people. God, just let me win the lottery. And they'll even bargain with God and say, God, if you let me win the lottery, then I will give to you. I will do something special for the kingdom of God. You have to understand, that's anti-God thinking. God doesn't say, I will give you lots so that you can give to others. What he says, I want you to give to others, and if you do this, I'll give you lots. It's actually the other way around. So if God just blesses me, I could give more. Well, yeah, but if you just give more, watch what God would do. He would bless you. I don't believe that. Again, why your life stinks. (laughs) It is what it is. You don't believe it? You don't believe it. Where can I? I can't do anything about it. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's what it's all about. God blessing you. Again, who's he going to bless? Those who bless others. And in terms of thinking about this special offering thing, this is what we announced at the beginning, that we're going to be doing a special offering next week when we gather together. Now, Again, next Sunday, don't come to your normal campus. You will see a sign that says, we're not here. All right? Nobody will be in this building next Sunday or in Point or at any other campuses. They're not going to be there. All right? We are all meeting at the KI Center for one great big celebration church, Bruhaha. And it's going to be a riot. And we're very excited. It's going to be great fun as we get all the people together. Uh, When you add up all the people who attend Celebration Church at one time, it's a whole bunch of people. And it's going to be great fun as we gather. And uh, we'll have special things for the really itty-bitty kids. But uh, for the grade school kids on up, they'll all be in the service with us. So there's going to be a lot of people sitting there. Your kids will be in here with us. we got some special things for the kids in the service. I think that you're going to really enjoy. It's going to be great fun. They'll love it, and you'll love it as well, too. But it's going to be a lot of fun as we celebrate and encourage one another. And what we're doing... Uh, as part of this one, three, five thing, one church, three cities, five locations, as we're challenging people to do a one-time special offering, 100, 300, or $500 as God blesses you and enables you to do. Some of you could add a zero to that. Some of you have to take away a zero from that. I get it. But just according to your ability to be able to give a special one-time offering, and we will be taking two offerings next Sunday. Be prepared. We'll be taking, early in the service, our normal, regular tithes and offerings. This is how the church operates. But then at the end of the service, we're going to have this one big celebratory offering. we, We will be bringing these offerings together so that we can advance the cause of Christ. Now, make no mistake, people. If we did not try to win more people to Jesus... If we did not try to do these new campuses and stuff like that. If we were not on television every week preaching the gospel to tens of thousands of people. All throughout northeastern and in central Wisconsin. If we would not do that. And by the way, most churches, you will notice, do not do that. I'm pretty sure we're the only evangelical church in northern Wisconsin that even attempts these kinds of things. Maybe not. Doesn't really matter. But if we didn't do those things. We wouldn't need a special offering. You see, if we just made it about our walls here, where it was just about us, 
and happy just about us and all of us doing what we need to do for us because we love us and just then we wouldn't need to do those things you know we could just be internally focused you know and be all thrilled because generally we fill the place up and lots of people come here and we would just be just as happy as we can be but I don't want a church like that and I don't think you want a church like that If you do, there's all kinds of churches out there who are just like that. Who just think us are for and no more. You know, all about, ooh, 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 God bless them, but I don't want to be like that. What I love about this church, and I love about Wisconsin people in general, is we think bigger than that. We've got bigger hearts than that. Let's not just us get blessed. Let's work so that we can bless other people. And that's what all of this is about. And, and seriously, and I'm not just blowing smoke at you. I really believe this. What's what I love about this church and, and Wisconsin people in general? I travel all the time, all over the country. You're all aware of this. And I get a chance to meet all kinds of hoity-toity people and big churches. And, you know, uh, now there's some great places out there, particularly with the weather. I really wish we had better weather, you know. You know, Tampa is pretty cool, okay? There's some really nice places. Hawaii, not a bad place to hang out. You know what I'm saying? But I would never trade this church because I would rather have the people here. There's something different about these people. When, when you go down so much, especially in the Bible Belt, you know, and some of you who've come through there, I can talk because they can't hear me. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of them, you wouldn't dare mat- light a match around them because their faces are so plastic they'd melt. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, they're wearing the faces and going through the games and playing all the things and the church talk. And la, 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 la. They live like hell the rest of the week, maybe. But we're in church. We play this plastic. I hate that. And I love it that you guys don't do that. And we talk. Don't do that. This isn't about being something that you're not. This is about being real and honest and open. And let's worship God, warts and all. Hallelujah. And you don't have to come from a certain color group. You don't have to come from a certain economic social group. You don't all have to be Republicans. You don't all have to be much of anything. You just got to be people who have a heart that wants to love God. Some of you are dressed to the nines. Some of you are slobs this morning. We love you all. Some of you are clean cut. Some of you got tattoos from head to to foot. You know, and I'd rather not see where they're all at, by the way. Uh, You know, I don't care. It's not about that. It's about let's not all be the same. Let's just be who God's call us to be and love one another and reach out and touch people's lives. And that's what this church is about. And that's what this special offering next week is about. It's about allowing us to keep doing all the stuff we do. Again, if we didn't do all this stuff, if we just focused on us, we'd be fine. But I don't think we just want to do that. Certainly, I don't want to do that. I know most of you don't either. And then we ended with this uh, idea that we've been teaching over the last few weeks. This idea of giving to each other. And we read about it in Acts, the early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles' And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared everything. The Bible says uh, in in other accounts that nobody lacked anything. Not those group of people. Because anybody who had need 
That need was met by someone who had extra. That's how tight these people were. And it wasn't a little yo mama, you know, homecoming church, you know, somewhere with 50 people. These people in one day, 5,000 people would get saved. That was just the men. You add the wives and children to that, you got thousands of people were coming to this. This group, this large group, they were so tight. They met all the needs of one another. The Bible says, selling their possessions and goods they gave to as anyone had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This thing kept just ushering and growing and growing and growing. And I got to say, of all the things that we have shared over the last month, this is the one that I've gotten the most response from everybody at Celebration Church. And I have been so blessed and thrilled about this. This idea of helping each other, helping one another. People have already been running up to me and emailing me and saying, you know, I got an extra refrigerator, somebody needs it. I got an extra this, or I got an extra that. And, and, and just, you know, hold on. Let's get through next week. And then I promise you, this is going to be the very next focus in my life, is to get this system set up so that we can meet each other's needs. I have been blown away by the people who have been contacting me, willing to help others, professionals. Uh, I have one couple, I don't even really know who they are. If you're here this morning, I'm sorry if I haven't really figured out who you are yet. But one couple sent me this incredible email. They're in the medical uh, thing. Uh, they do d- dental work. Uh, I don't know if he's a dentist. It must be a dentist or something like that. And basically said, uh, look, um, and they've only been coming to church for like since July, I think they said. They just started coming. I don't even know who they are. Who said, we're really excited about it. We'd love to jump in on this so that if there's anybody in the church who needs dental work, but you're really hurting financially, that we'd step in and we'd help you out anyway. Wow, I mean, that is cool. And by the way, if you have any kind of service or any, I've, I've, I had other guys in the last uh, service come up to me and say, you know, well, I provide such and such, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, one guy has a mattress factory. Apparently, I didn't know we had mattress factory people. I don't know what y'all do around here. The guy says, man, if somebody's really hurting, man, we'd, we'd provide bedding for their families if they're hurting. I mean, is that cool or what? See, I'm telling you, when we start doing that kind of stuff, That is what's going to really impact people's lives. And I'll tell you what, when that word gets out, that the people in this church love each other that much, you watch what happens. They may say, those celebration people, they're a little weird. (laughs) Their pastor is a psycho. But they really love each other. That's What's going to have a huge impact? Because Jesus said, this is how all men will know that you are my disciples. When you love one another. And when the word on the street goes out that this is the way we interact and connect with and support and help one another. I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to just flood through this place. And we are going to see some incredible things when we finally get this idea of not just living for me. But let's live for others. And let's live to advance the kingdom of God. And I tell you, there are some exciting days coming ahead as we move forward. I'm going to invite all the ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion at the different campuses. As well as the musicians can come back and uh, get ready as we wrap everything. Hello. We didn't pay the light bill. We need a special offering. Quick. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Want to try that button again? (laughs) John 3.16, we've quoted this many times over the last month. For God so loved the world that he gave 
His one and only Son. God is a giver. And He didn't give the least. He didn't find some angel down on the totem pole somewhere to come down and to redeem men and women. He gave His very self. He gave the best that He had. He comes to earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. He dies on the cross for you and for me, for our sins. That's what we're thinking about when we take communion. This is the gift of God. This is a serious sacrifice. The creator of heaven and earth that allows himself to be brutalized by the hands of angry men who tear at his flesh, who spit in his face, who humiliate him, force him to carry his own cross. He was beaten beyond recognition, the Bible tells us. Then they nailed his hands and his feet into a big chunks of wood and lifted him up. The Bible says at any moment he could have called and 10,000 angels would have showed up kicking butt and taking names. But he didn't say a thing. In fact, at the very end he was still giving. When he looked up to his father and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow. That's an incredible gift. But you know, it's kind of insulting. I don't know if you've ever done something special for someone and offered to do something for you and they shove it back in your face. It's pretty insulting. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, for me. He died on that cross so you could have forgiveness. What are you doing with that gift? Are you accepting God's gift into your life or do you push it away and say, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Wow. Don't do that. Open up. Allow Christ to come into your life. Accept God's gift to you so that you can have new life in Him. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. If you're here this morning and or at a celebration campus and, and you've never truly surrendered your heart to God, if you've never experienced God's wonderful gift of grace in your life, we're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to invite you to pray this along with us. And if you'll open up your heart, you can experience God's wonderful gift of forgiveness in your life today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.